the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the United Inland Empire radio program. There is so much to unpack from this week, Greg, specifically relating to national security. We had the hearing on Monday uh, with the House Intelligence Committee, the FBI, and the NSA directors were there. And since then, a whole treasure trove of information has been made available about, I want to call it the tweet heard around the world from Donald Trump saying... Yeah, right, and that there was wiretapping in quotes of by by Obama, and uh, that was that was basically corroborated this week. And then we also have another very tragic incident of Islamic terrorism with a, by committed by somebody who was not a Muslim, or is not is not really he's not really Islamic. Right. So he's an Islamist. I love that parsing of the word. And uh, as we thought, this election, November 8th, would be largely about national security. And that is continues to be on the forefront to help us unpack this. We're so privileged to have the former chair of the House Intelligence Committee, a ranking member of Congress, congressional uh Congressman Pete Hoekstra with us on the line. He served in Congress in that office from 2004 and 2000 to 2007, was a member of the House of Representatives from 1993 to 2011, and he is currently a Shulman Senior Fellow with the Investigative Project on Terrorism. You can follow him at at Pete Hoekstra on Twitter. And uh, Pete, welcome to the Congressman. Welcome to the Unite IE radio program. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you. Well, thank you. Let's start off with uh, your your notion of whether or not Russia was actually involved in the hacking of the DNC and uh, Podesta's email accounts. What is your take on that? Well, number one, let's just put this in context, guys. We have a great intelligence community that has had huge disasters in cyberspace recently. Uh, We've had the Bradley Manning leaks. We've had the Edward Snowden leaks. We've had the leaks roughly two, two and a half weeks ago of the CIA. We've had the leaks of um, Michael Flynn that took Michael Flynn down. So you kind of look at it and say, we've got spies who can't keep secrets. Mm. And so, you know, and there's other people in the world that are very, very good at this. The Russians, the Chinese, the Israelis, uh, the North Koreans and the Iranians. They're not bad. So you got a lot of moving parts out there. And we don't really have a decided advantage in cyberspace as far as I can see. We're good, but there's other people that are as good uh, as what we are. Now, taking that and applying that specifically to what happened at the DNC and what happened at Podesta, It's very, very unclear to me that we, as an intelligence, our intelligence community and the FBI can come back and say, we know it was the Russians. Because just, you know, with the CIA leaks, they they said, or the leaks came out and said, you know what? Our CIA, we can go into somebody's cyberspace 
and we can leave the footprints that make it look like somebody else was there mm. and somebody else did the hacking. Well, you know what? I think there's a whole bunch of other people that can do the same thing. And so I don't, I don't have the confidence that says that our, some people in our intelligence community have that say, hey, we've looked at the forensics of this and we can guarantee to you that it was the Russians. I'm not as confident. Uh, also, the FBI wasn't allowed to actually, you know, get their hands on some of the hardware. Some of this stuff appears to come from an independent third party that was, you know, a contractor that was hired by the DNC. So, you know, there's lots of questions here as to exactly who did it and then, you know, how it got uh, how it got released into the public and, and those kinds of things. Lots of questions in my mind. Well, there's also the politicization, and maybe want to comment on that, is what's happened to – has the American intelligence system, particularly the upper echelon, has been politicized under the Obama administration? Well, I mean uh – yeah, I really believe that they have. I mean, you go all the way back to what James Clapper said uh, a number of years ago where uh, he identified the Muslim Brotherhood as a an organization that really focused on social good and social programs. And you kind of look and you say, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Which branch of the Muslim Brotherhood are you talking about, and when was that branch created? Uh, that that doesn't fit reality. Which altered which which altered universe are you living in in order to make a comment like that? That's right. And then you've got you know well hey ISIS is the JV team. Uh, you've got uh, people in Washington who apparently were uh, you know massaging intelligence that was coming from the Middle East to make it look like we were doing better than what we were doing. ISIS is on the run, and you know it's kind of like Benghazi, of course. The, Benghazi, uh, you know, I wrote a book on Benghazi, uh, you know, Architects of Disaster, the Destruction of Libya, which talks about the role that not only Benghazi, but the decisions that the Obama administration made by embracing the Muslim Brotherhood uh, and saying, you know what, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood and their ilk in Libya is a much better alternative than Gaddafi, and we see how that's turned out. The uh, but no, and then I think you know the the devastating revelations yesterday by Devin Nunes, the chairman of the intelligence committee, uh, talking about the kind of information, the some of the most sensitive information that the intelligence community has access to, and that's collecting on Americans and collecting that information accidentally called it's in it's in incidental collection. Uh, because, you know, the foreign intelligence agencies, you know, they're not authorized to spy on Americans. Right. Well, let's get uh, into that. What specifically, to your knowledge, was the uh, did uh, Congressman Nunez come into possession of yesterday? Describe that for us based on what well, you've learned. I, I can't. I don't know what Devin got because I've not talked to Devin and he probably wouldn't tell me. I do. I did talk to source before Devin became public who told me the kind of information that was available. It appears that what was available were actual transcripts of intercepted phone calls of Americans with foreign, uh, you know, that with foreigners who were under surveillance by the National Security Agency. This stuff is supposed to be deep six and never see the light of day unless there's really, really high value foreign intelligence uh, or, um, you know, security implications with this information uh, needing to get to domestic law enforcement. 
Well, my understanding is that some of this raw intelligence, some of this these raw transcripts of Trump transition personnel actually made it their way from the NSA or wherever they were collected. Uh, and Devin said, you know, as he was standing in front of the White House, said, you know, they made it to the White House. Mm. Well, that is, that's unprecedented. You know, you're thinking of who could be reading this uh, stuff? Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes, Valerie Jarrett. Is the president reading this stuff? These folks are, you know, this is not foreign intelligence. It's not national security. Are, are they reading this, these materials? And then ask Mike Flynn, what happened to these materials? Pretty clear some of these materials made it to the press. And what was the intent? To destroy Mike Flynn and to hurt the Trump administration. Uh, so, you know, the tweet that Donald Trump sent out a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was an inartful description limited by the 140 characters that you can do on Twitter. But bottom line is he was in the ballpark, okay? He was in the neighborhood. He maybe went to the wrong house, uh, you know, but uh, he was very, very close uh, in identifying exactly what may have been going on. And, you know, this is you know, this gets to your question. Was the intelligence community politicized? This is a huge question. If they were, it's devastating to the intelligence community. So so to clarify for our listeners who maybe are not spending a whole lot of time, they're seeing the headlines but not able to dig in to get a sense of what's really unfolded, what we have, and correct me and add to what I'm going to say, what we essentially know now is that there are transcripts of conversations either with foreigners, let's call them envoys or uh, you know, embassy officials with their home countries, possibly talking about their interactions with Trump transition team members, possibly that were picked up. Those names of those people that they identified in those conversations were then unmasked. And those intelligence reports were circulated in a, in a way that traditionally has not been done up until the time that President Obama signed Executive Order 12333, which authorized those to be more widely disseminated throughout the intelligence community. Am, am I right, or is there anything to add to that? Yeah, 12333 has been around for a long time. Okay. Uh, what what uh, Obama did is he modified 12333. Uh, triple three tells you how you can disseminate uh, foreign intelligence to domestic law enforcement and those kinds of things. What he did is uh, he significantly broadened the number of people who have access to 12 triple three data. Uh, and from my perspective, what he does is what he's done. He's taken some of the most sensitive information uh, and he's made it more susceptible, more likely that uh, this information can be leaked. And it's interesting that he does this just before he's leaving office. He didn't do this, you know, a year, two years into office where he said, you know, I, we need to open this up so that, you know, we keep America safer. It appears, you know, that he kind of opened it up just as he was leaving office. Uh, maybe, uh, I, I don't know why they would do this at, at that point in time. You would think he'd leave the decision for the next president. Um, you know, did he you know, did he? I don't know if he wanted this stuff leaked. I, I can't go there, but right. the end result is he created a system that was much more vulnerable to leaks uh, and much more difficult to maintain discipline uh, and order in than what we had before. And how unusual is it that those names were unmasked and revealed 
in the process of distributing those memos is that is that out of the ballpark is was there a crime committed there uh, no, uh, unmasking is not uh, is not a crime. Uh, unmasking of uh, names that have you know in conversations that have nothing to do with national security uh, and those types of things that gets to be awful close to a crime. Remember what Mike Rogers said on Monday. We have very 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 strict protocols before we unmask any names and before we distribute any of this kind of inf- information. Uh, it appears that, and again, this is what Devin said. Devin said, you know, it, that some of these transcripts that he had access to were very concerning because they didn't have a, a nexus with national security or foreign intelligence. Got That's it. where you start getting concerned and saying, well, wait a minute, what are these transcripts doing uh, in the White House? What are they maybe doing in the Oval Office? Uh, you know, this, is, this stuff is not – remember, this is American data. Okay, and this is what people for the last, you know, and and I voted to increase the capability of the communications between foreign intelligence and domestic law enforcement, because I think we need to really have those integrated. But, you know, people on the other side and they, you know, they had their they had justification who voted against it, said, but, Pete, you know, what what if people abuse this power? Right. And it's kind of like, yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I think I think. I think some of these provisions, they have to be renewed you know, on a regular basis. I think some of these provisions are going to be difficult to renew uh, because there's more people who are saying, wait a minute, we're compromising our personal privacy, we're compromising our civil rights because the intelligence community uh, has abused these privileges in the past. And yes, we are going to risk national security, but at this point in time, you know, my civil liberties uh, are more important. Congressman Holster, we have to take a break. Can you stay with us for another segment? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Time for work from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with former Congressman Pete Holster after this message. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. We are so pleased to have former Congressman Pete Hoekstra on the line with us. He is the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and is now with the Investigator Project on Terrorism. We've been talking about the revelations this week about uh, the, the government surveillance of 
Donald Trump and his associates during the transition period. And there was another point to that is that Nunez, Devin Nunez, the current chairman of the Intelligence Committee, said that this surveillance of Donald Trump and his associates during the transition had nothing to do with this uh, investigation that Comey confirmed between the Donald Trump campaign and this alleged Russian hacking of Podesta and the DNC computer. So it seems to me that the idea, if, if, if the FBI is going to investigate that, there's no evidence to support those connections. But OK, if you're going to investigate connections between Donald Trump and his campaign and Russia, the idea that there would not be any electronic surveillance in connection with that investigation defies all credibility. That's exactly right. You know what? Um, and I did this for ten years. You have to listen to these people so carefully in what they say; uh, otherwise, it goes right by you. And I, they went by me a few times when I was in Congress, and you know, a couple of days later, you say, "Oh man, <laughs> I you <know>? missed that." <laughs> yeah. Well, how did I do? How did I miss that? But here's what Comey said. And listen to the words, and I don't have the exact words, but he said, I have no evidence to support the allegations made in the president's tweet. Okay? Well, the president's tweet was very specific. It said, you know, uh, Barack Obama ordered wiretapping on me. Okay? Yeah, yeah, you're not going to find that. But what, you know, nobody followed up because Comey walked right into this. He said, but we've, we've had an ongoing investigation against the Trump campaign, uh, you know, since July. So you got July, August, September, October, November, December, January. So you got six, seven months of this going on. And you're absolutely right. If you're, if you've got an investigation going on against the Trump campaign, against the Russians and others, you know what? You are going to do surveillance. Others, you know, only for those of us that are a little bit older will remember, if you're not doing surveillance, then I'm sorry, then you're running a Barney Fife uh, investigation, okay? But if you're the FBI and you're looking at the Trump campaign, you have that thing blanketed with surveillance. And so Comey didn't lie, okay? He didn't lie. He had no evidence to back up uh, and support the President's Trump that Barack Obama ordered surveillance and wiretapping on him but there was it appears there's plenty of evidence that law enforcement officials people who are agents working on behalf of the president authorized surveillance on the trump campaign so like i said trump was in the neighborhood he just hit the wrong house and i'm sure no information was possible could have been transmitted to the hillary clinton campaign about what the donald trump campaign was going on i'm sure that could not possibly happen. That could not have happened. Just like uh, <laughs> you know, just like information could not have been leaked on Michael Flynn to take him down either. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, th- this raises you know, and we we joke a little bit about it, but this is really serious stuff because yeah, you know, this is about the intelligence community, and if if they've if they've crossed the line here, it's. You know, there's going to be a price to pay in the intelligence community because they've broken their trust with the American people. And if they've broken their trust with the American people, you know, Congress, rightfully so, will limit their capabilities to surveillance uh, because they've abused their powers. And when their powers become more limited and more restricted, they will be in a less – they'll be – less able to keep America safe against the threats that are out there today. It's awful. You said you said if they've crossed the line, it seems to me, based on what we learned this week from uh, Devin Nunez and whoever it was that passed that along to him 
from within the administration or somewhere within the intelligence community that the line has been crossed, that conversations either directly involving or about members of the Trump transition team were scooped up, were unmasked and were disseminated and were leaked. So now it's just a matter to me of finding out where was the line crossed where crimes were committed. Yeah, who who knew about it? Uh, who authorized these additional, you know, this, the release of these or the, the transmittal of these transcripts and this information uh, across the intelligence community? You know, who asked for the names to be unmasked? All of these types of things. There will be a paper trail. Right. Okay, there will be a paper trail, uh, or let's, let's say there should be a paper trail. Uh, answering all of those questions, and that's the work that uh, Chairman Nunes is now going to have to complete. We've got one more very short segment. Would you mind sticking with us to comment about the current threat environment given the recent terror attack in London? I can do that. Bless you, sir. Time for another word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, residential and commercial. More with former Congressman Pete Hoekstra after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Moreno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE, broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders License number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610, NMLS 9873. AM 590. The answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. We have been visiting with Congressman Pete Holkstra. He's the former uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and currently is the Shillman Senior Fellow for the Investigative Project on Terrorism. You can follow him at, at Pete Holkstra on Twitter. And he recently had an article in the Wall Street Journal, Can America's Spies Be Trusted? He's a frequent contributor uh, to that journal as well as other places. You can follow his work by Googling his name, Pete Holkstra. Pete, we just had the uh, or congressman. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so uh, familiar there. Um, <laughs> we just had a, a terror attack unfold in London. Your thoughts about the current threat environment that America and America's communities are facing? Well, I think uh, on a global basis, the threat environment continues to be as ugly as it's been uh, in a long time. Uh, we still have failed states in Iraq, Syria, uh, Libya, Yemen, Afghanistan. And so while we're making progress in Iraq, and hopefully we'll have ISIS out of Mosul and out of Iraq soon, there's still a tremendous amount of work to do. Uh, ISIS has spread its tentacles into uh, you know, northern Africa, down into central uh, Africa, they're reaching out into Indonesia, and of course, we've got, uh, I think, some terrible, um, a terrible environment in Europe uh, with all the refugees and with the people that have settled there in the last 20 to 30 years. Uh, you know, and what we saw so tragically uh, this week in London is, 
you know, it, it, you, we're going to see more of it. Uh, you know, and we've got to get we've got to get this under control, and we've got to have coordination between different countries. And you know, if we're not careful, what we're seeing in Europe and Brussels and Paris and Nice and and London, one of these days, we're going to see more of that kind of thing happening here in the United States. Well, what's amazing to me is is. Uh uh, Prime Minister May of uh, of, Great, of Great Britain rushes out. You know, this has this Islamic terrorism has nothing to do with Islam. I mean, these people. Yeah. I mean, do do they do they not get? Do they have no understanding of Islam? Do they not bother to study it, or they just feel they need to be politically correct in these kind of well, statements? They, obviously, they need to. They feel that they need to be politically correct, but it's the religious leaders in Islam uh, that have to take uh, that have to take this fight on. Uh, you know, as a Protestant or Catholics throughout, uh, you know, America and, and other countries in Europe, you know, we can't tell the Muslim community what to do. The, their, their religious leaders have to take the lead on this. And, we're, yeah, we're giving them a pass uh, when we say, of course, this has nothing to do with Islam and, and those kinds of things. We're not the experts on it. Uh, but when somebody gets up and yells, Allah Akbar, and these types of things, uh, yes, they are motivated by religion. And it may be a religion that a lot of Muslims can't identify with, but a lot of them do. Congressman Pete Hoekstra, thank you so much for being with us and uh, appreciate you being uh, here to brief our listeners on uh, everything, this dynamic environment and everything that's unfolded. God bless you, and we look forward to having you back. Till the next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Pete. We'll be back with more on the Unite IE Radio program after this. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office. We just had a great discussion with uh, former Congressman Pete Hoekstra in our first half hour. If you missed it, go back and pick us up on the podcast because it, it is well worth your time. Natan Sharansky, the famous Soviet dissident. Who? Natan Sharansky. He was a very famous dissident in the Soviet Union where you, okay. you, where you, you needed courage. And, and he said about he said this. In dictatorships, you need courage to fight evil. In the free world, you need courage to see the evil. Interesting. And we see this so much in terms of the threat of Islamic terrorism. And even perhaps even less so in the sense of the threat of criminal illegal aliens. And we just had a very tragic case this past week where a 14-year-old girl was gang-raped by two illegal immigrants that Obama had led into the country and that would have qualified under his executive amnesty that, they, that was proposed. And not only that, there was apparently an ICE detainer on the older one, the 18-year-old, the, the one who's an adult. That was, Who may not even be 18. He just says he's 18. Well, that's right. How do we know? How do we know about any of these people? Yeah, we don't. So they've let the, the MS-13 gang, one of the most vile and vicious criminal gangs in the world, is now well-established in America because of Obama's open borders. That was one of my thoughts, actually, when it was revealed that one of these guys was from Guatemala and the other was from El Salvador, was how do we know that these guys don't have gang affiliations, number one? And number two, it, it, I heard an interview with a... Hispanic journalist based in Florida, and she was adamant that the Central American area is a hotbed for people who come up here that are potentially, let's just call them domestic terrorists. I mean, for what they are. I mean, I would think I, the MS-13 gang, to me, that qualifies as a domestic terrorist 
Yeah, un- under Obama, they show up at the border. They, if they're caught, if they're caught by border patrol, they say, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm 17." Maybe I'll cover the gang tattoos. I'm 17, and not only would the border patrol let them in under Obama's orders, they would take them to their destination. And not only that, we now know, and since you brought this topic up, this is one that I have uh, we, we've spoken about on the Jen and Don show. Uh, it's one I have been watching adamantly uh, get covered. N- absolutely no coverage in prime time on ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, or CNN. No coverage whatsoever on this case. Secondly, you had a delegate to the legislature. They call them delegates out here in California. We call them assemblymen. Back in Maryland, they call them their elected officials delegates. You had a delegate who on Tuesday or Wednesday, I forget which day, brought a bill to vote on the floor to designate Maryland as a sanctuary state. You had a city councilman who stood up and literally uh, defended Maryland sanctuary status. Rockville, where this took place inside of Montgomery County, operates as a sanctuary county. You had also the city council in Rockville, where this school was located, considering designating Rockville as a sanctuary city. I mean, the insanity inside of Maryland, their tone deafness, too. You had this happen last Thursday. It went public over the weekend. And then you had a delegate who defended her bringing a sanctuary status bill to the floor of the Maryland legislature. I mean, unbelievable how far left these people are that they don't get and they can't connect the dots between illegal alien crime and their 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 sanctuary. They're giving these people sanctuary status to to these to these criminals. Well, and that's, that's one of the points of immigration law is you control who gets into the country. You check them out. You investigate them. Are they criminals? Are they terrorists? Are they able to support themselves? Do, are they going to benefit the country by, by, by coming here? And both uh, um, Mark Stein made this point. And I'm thinking of the woman she writes for WSJ. Uh, almost got it. Anyways, they both have made this point is that you have the ruling class. You have the elites that are making policy. Open borders. Let the Muslim, let, the, let large numbers of Muslims in without properly vetting them. Let illegal immigrants, unlimited numbers of illegal immigrants in. All you to show up at the border and claim you're 17. Come, come on in. But the people who are making these policies protect themselves from those policies. Well, they're so, insulated, so, right? Right. They are insulated. So their children are not going to school with illegal with illegal immigrant gang members. Their children that are not going to be subject most likely to Muslim terrorism. They protect themselves. Uh, Peggy Noonan, Peggy Noonan was the woman I was thinking of, is they protect themselves from the consequences of their own policies. So they, they're perfectly well to either open border policies to advance the immigrant, the interests of the Democrat Party, or just to make themselves feel good. So uh, what a wonderful, open-minded liberal I am because I like open borders. Let them in when they don't – their jobs are not being undermined. Their wages are not being depressed because of illegal immigration. Other people's are. And to your point, it's the middle class that suffers the the criminal and economic damage wrought by these policies. And it's their base – 
the lower class, the the, the urban uh, populations in these large cities that are directly affected by the economics of their decisions. You know, they want to have minimum wage at $15 an hour on the one hand, but on the other hand, you've got this underclass of illegal aliens in these communities that are destroying the economic base of these communities because they work for less. They work under the table. Uh, it, they compete for jobs to these communities whose whose economic viability has never recovered from the 2009 recession. These people are the ones that are directly being damaged. And they don't realize it. And they continue to return these same people to public office. They vote directly against their own economic interests. Yeah. The um, U.S. Civil Rights Commission found that the, the, the illegal immigration is undercutting job opportunities for low-skill African-American men. There was just a study done last fall funded by the pro-immigration MacArthur Foundation that found that Legal and illegal immigration costs American workers $500 billion per year in lost wages because the law of supply and demand applies to the labor market like it applies to every other market. But but the ruling class does not care what happens to the people. They get cheaper labor. The Democrats get more votes and and get to stack the voting deck. But what happens to ordinary, hardworking men, American men and women, the citizens of this country, including recent legal immigrants? They don't care. We don't even have to climb down the economic chain to see evidence of what you're talking about. We had, I can't tell you how many Fortune 500 companies that got revealed over the last couple of years for misusing the H-1B visa program, which was originally created to help fill jobs that Americans were were not available for. You had Disney that actively brought in H-1B visa people to replace American workers. And not only that, and I think this is what you were getting ready to say also, they required the American workers to train their replacements in order to be able to get their full benefits on separation. They created this whole separation package that in order to qualify for it, they had to train their H-1B replacements. Right, and supposedly H-1B is only for when you can't have American workers do the job. Not to replace them with these foreigners. I mean, this is is mind-blowing. And these compassionate liberals in Silicon Valley, like Mark Zuckerberg, you know, so compassionate, want this, want to be able to bring in foreign workers to do the tech work in place in place of Americans. They want to expand the H-1B visa program. They want to add numbers to it. I think Marco Rubio was also advocating for that, correct? At Absolutely. One point. Yeah. At any rate, so yeah, we've got this amazing hypocrisy uh, regarding this unfortunate uh, rape. I mean, this brutal rape of this 14-year-old is not last an isolated Thursday. Case. It is not an isolated case. They try to cover it up because it typically you'll, you'll see... They did man, cover it up. Man. They didn't even cover it on the mainstream media yeah. channels. Or, or if, the, if, if the criminal incidents reported, the immigration status of the perpetrator right. is not reported. There's institutional covering up, and that was one of the things that I've seen several uh, people attest to, is that when it comes to reporting... Uh, these crime they they blur the lines between you know what they consider to be an illegal alien the way that they report it. This is one of the problems Ann Coulter had in writing her book is that she looked and looked and looked for this information. The U.S. government does not parse it this way. 
So at any rate, illegal immigration, a a hot you know, a, a hot burner issue uh, unfolding not only across Southern California, but now evidenced by this case, uh, a national issue that the mainstream media refuses to cover. Time for a word from the sponsor of this half hour of United IE Radio, All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio program for the most important political office, that of private citizens. Speaking of which, Greg, where are you going to be on April 30th? Hmm. 30th, 30th. Let me check my calendar. April 30th. Let me check my calendar. Well, you know, I think that, you know, I remember that I think there's a political conference of some kind in, uh, in, in Riverside. There is a grand call going out for all people concerned about the future of our country. We have the fourth annual Unite IE political conference. And I think one of the great things about this conference is we're going to, you know, talk about Trump's first 100 days. We're going to have a panel on issues relevant to California. Um, but we're also going to show going to show people how they can become involved in helping to fix things in California. And that really begins at some of the lowest levels of I was having a conversation earlier this week with somebody, Greg. We were talking about what what's actually involved in, you know, being a part of the solution. And while we watch these things unfold in Washington, D.C. and Sacramento, there's very little that you and I can do other than maybe picking up the phone, writing a letter, um, developing relationships with some of those people. Hard to do at that level, but it's very easy to do on the local level. And getting involved means, you know, understanding how the policies and the things that we hear about um, you know, coming out of Washington, D.C. and Sacramento affect us locally, there really are things people can do. So learning how to become an active participant in the political process, influencing policies at the city level, at the school board level, so many things folks can do. And they'll learn about those uh, with some of the folks that are going to be there with tables at the conference, showing people what they're accomplishing and how people can get involved in the process. Oh, sure. The individual citizen is more effective as part of a group of fellow patriots. That's right. And the groups we found, which I formed the Unite IE Coalition, are more effective as part of a broader coalition rather than just as isolated pockets of resistance. United we stand, divided we fall. Who said that? I've heard that before. I've heard that somewhere before. So well, anyway, we have a great lineup of speakers. Uh, yep. Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, uh, Hugh Hewitt, uh, Joe Pollack of Breitbart News, who wrote the book How Trump Won and More to, and more, uh, more to Be Announced. That's right. So this is just going to be a great day, and we encourage you to get your tickets, which you can get now on am590theanswer.com. Click on the rotating banner. The general admission is $35, and the VIP brunch with that 
is at $95. I think general admission's 30. 30. And maybe with the uh with the uh 30 Eventbrite fees it gets uh, closer to 35 and uh so forth. But one of the things we also wanted to share with folks, if you want to bring a table of folks, you can actually get a table for the VIP lunch. Uh it'll seat 8 people. And there's a discount. We discount. We uh, do that directly uh, outside of Eventbrite. So if you're interested in that, uh, get in touch with us, and we'll show you how to be able to put a table together. And how should they can get in touch with us? That's a good question. How would they get in touch with us, Greg? <laughs> tweet us. <laughs> they can tweet us, or they can send an email to radio at unite ie.com that's uniteie.com that's our email address if you're interested in getting a table uh, of eight and uh, it's discounted by one seat and then also you don't have to pay the eventbrite fees it's 650 dollars uh for a table of eight you can uh, send us an email to radio at uniteie.com so you know health I, I don't know which to talk about right now greg the brazilian goalkeeper that was charged with torture and murder of his ex-girlfriend who now says mistakes happen i'm not a bad guy and got released out of his 22 year sentence or health care hmm which one do you want to talk about or how about the soccer player from ghana who uh, was named player of the game and was then thanked in his, uh, his speech after that in his interview both his wife and his girlfriend so much drama in soccer in international soccer and then try oh no 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 i didn't mean it honey i even tell you i love you honey well the house leaders canceled their health care vote on thursday because it appears they didn't have the votes greg Despite Donald Trump's best art, uh, efforts to uh, craft the art of the deal over uh, his one of his major campaign promises to repeal and replace, and I think it's safe to say a lot of a lot of Republicans ran in their districts on this notion of repealing and replacing. It's not going to happen because the uh, large group of Republicans are standing firm that hey, we want to we, we want to honor that commitment to the voters. Uh, the repeal place, we don't think enough is being done to actually roll back Obamacare, to actually offer up a legitimate health care solution for reducing the cost of health care at the individual level and expanding coverage. So we're back to the drawing board. What's going on? Well, uh it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. <clears throat> we are in a we're still in a negotiating process. Uh, we are watching the proverbial legislative sausage being made. Yeah, you see, we you say we are you involved in the negotiations directly? No, we we out here in the general public who are, who are observing this, right, right. are watching are watching this. I think, I think it was Otto von Bismarck, the German uh, chancellor from the 1800s, who had said that uh, fans of sausage in the law should never see what goes into making either. It's true, and you know what? Speaking of not seeing what how it's made, we were we were talking earlier off the air. If I had to actually describe what was in the Republicans' health care bill, beyond talk, beyond saying that there was a repeal of the mandate, beyond saying that there was a repeal of the taxes, beyond saying that there would be some sort of uh, that the that they were going to keep. The uh, up to age 26, you can cover your kids and the uh, notion that you can get coverage if you've got pre-existing conditions. What was what was going on inside this bill? Well, they, they were still going to have subsidies. And instead of having the as Obamacare, it's now in a refundable, advanceable tax credit, but it's still subsidies in creating a health care entitlement, which, of course, will only grow over time and likely be another huge unfunded mandate over time. 
the that we have a penalty if you're not insured, if you're if you're uninsured for more than sixty three days, you pay thirty percent more if you come on and get insurance. Okay, but this and we don't really have the time to really delve in, 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 into all, into all these uh, into these specifics, but. It, you're right. It, it doesn't address the cost. It doesn't address the basic problem of American healthcare today, and that is the third-party payer. Is that 70 to 80 percent of the cost of healthcare is being paid for by insurance or government programs? So there's there is no price competition. The current the I call it Rhino Care, as in R Y N O, and Paul Ryan as well. Ah, okay, is that uh, <clears throat> it? Uh, would still so it would have these would have these subsidies. It still maintains the uh, you must carry. So you have to the insurance companies have to take all comers, and then it allows people. This is a problem created by Obamacare. Is you can wait until you have a major medical problem and then go buy your insurance. It'd be like waiting to buy auto insurance until you have an accident, and then expect the insurance to cover the damage from the previous accident. And of course, insurance can't operate on that basis. So and even with a 30% penalty, that would still incentivize that kind of that kind of behavior. So it was a good first attempt in my opinion, but much needs to be desi- much still much needs to be done. And they've phrased it in terms of this th- three phases. We can't get everything into the first phase because it'll be subject to Senate filibuster. So we're going to hold back important parts of what we want to do in healthcare reform for a third phase a new bill that will still be subject to Senate filibuster, which, which, and that strategy to me just makes absolutely no sense. Very good. I think you've done a great job of describing that. And I, you know, it's up now to the various different components of the house. You've got the freedom caucus, uh, that was largely responsible for, uh, you know, not being able to pull the votes together. I think well, what Donald Trump alluded to this in his uh, joint address to Congress is that, Right now, we have Obamacare, and it's falling apart. There were huge increases last year. Insurance companies are jumping ship. Uh, there's a third of the counties in America have only one Obamacare insurer. Right. So is if we can't do a deal now, you, just, you wait. And Obamacare will get worse, and you'll be in a better negotiating position to get a new good replacement bill. So move on to taxes regulatory reform, and other important parts of Donald Trump's agenda if we can't get health care done now. Excellent. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll follow this, of course, and it's uh, one of the one of the major uh, campaign promises of a lot of Republicans, and we will continue to follow this. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor for the Unite IE radio program for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. 
Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office. The other big item in the news, of course, is almost got drowned out. It would have been our lead item, but for these other events, was the nomination hearings of Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court. My entire reason for voting for Donald Trump, it would have been harder for me, I'll be honest, had there not been a Supreme Court justice hanging in the balance. But that made it an easy vote for me to vote for Donald Trump. And this guy this week showed, you know, why he was the front runner of the 20, the first person for Donald Trump to push forward as a nominee. It was it was it was almost amusing to watch these, these Democrat senators try to score points with him, and they didn't lay a glove on him, in my opinion, the entire week. And one of the big frustrations for the Democrats was trying to pin him down to get him to comment on how uh, he would vote on a particular issue or what he did feel about a the way a particular issue got voted on. They brought up case law and things like r- ranging from Roe v. Wade to, you know, Second Amendment issues. And he always came back to basically the same default, default answer. I would I would rule in the direction of law. My personal feelings have no matter. I'm not going to comment on that because that could be a case. It was interesting to watch a video that, propped, that popped up, and I think it was Mediaite that uh, – came up with this no it wasn't them it was somebody else talking about how chuck schumer said you know was was accusing uh, neil gorsuch judge gorsuch of not commenting on any of this stuff and then they ran similar video of sotomayor and uh elena kagan doing the very same thing during their confirmation hearing saying yes. i can't comment on that someone said uh, that washington is the capital of situational ethics it's absolutely true. We are out of time for the, for this week, and we'll talk more about Gorsuch and the competing visions of how you interpret the Constitution in, in future shows. But thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you on the radio. Get your tickets for the United IE Conservative Conference at am590.info. Back next week. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.